the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. You know, I disagree vehemently with people who are pro-abortion. And uh, I'm not very gifted at stating my disagreement with people in a tone that is uh, inviting and uh, inclusive. And I, I don't use inclusive there to lark, to snark it like I normally do, because it's normally a, a stupid word to use when you're talking about <laughs> almost anything in the context in which it's used right now. But I was reading a story today on foxnews.com, and uh, I just feel so sorry for the person who wrote this. I can get very up in arms about it, but uh, it calls us to uh, keep in mind how uh, evil those who have been gripped by the leading of Satan really is um, the only way to explain how somebody could write what Washington Post columnist Kate Cohen wrote about the freedom that she has um, via abortion. Uh, She's mocking uh, all faith-based arguments, uh, which are, of course, uh, grounded in the fact that uh, God ordains every life and that he uh, knows you before you're born, that he knits you together in your mother's womb. The headline on her story is, how would you feel if your mother had aborted you? Easy, I'd feel nothing. And her justification for saying she feels nothing is that a person isn't a person until they're born and, you know, experience life. She says if it was a choice between her potential existence and her mother's freedom, she would choose her mother's freedom every single time. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, that's just a, we can go into how wrong it is, but but it's really just a miserable, miserable way to view what I, what I, what I hope, although I don't, I don't know if we'll get there, but, you know, we have become so enlightened on how evil slavery was. As I've experienced and heard all the rhetoric of the past, you know, couple years where slavery is held up as <clears throat> this great sin of America and that we'll never be able to atone for it or to atone for it, we have to give, you know, money and um, we have to advantage minorities now over uh, people who, you know, may be more qualified, all those things. You know, the, you know, the argument. I've become aware, like, thinking it through, like, how could that have even happened? Like, how could one human being view another human being as inferior based upon their skin color? 
Um, it's a it's explained only by not lining up your approach to life with how God tells us to live in the Bible. I wonder, you know, but but now we all know how wrong that was. I don't, I mean, you really have to be a lunatic to defend in any way, shape, or form slavery. Or to uh, carry forward those attitudes into uh, society today. I wonder if we will ever get, as a society, to the point where we view abortion the way we now view slavery. Like once it was whatever, okay, there were not, it's never been unanimously okay in the United States to abort babies. There have always been a loud uh, protesting group of people who've talked about how evil it is. But there have always been a small, growing, but small initially, minority of people who said, you know, it was, uh, it's progressive. It's the right thing to do. It's enlightened. As we learn more about fetal development, we understand, of course, that abortion is what the people initially opposed to it have always said it was. It's murder. It's the ending of a human life. It's the ending of a human life before it takes human form, but it is the ending of a human life. And the Roe versus Wade decision came about in 1973. Okay, I was a kid in 1973. I didn't have a real wide view of the world in 1973. It was, you know, how's my Little League team going to do this year? <laughs> How are the Reds going to do this year? Are the Browns going to be good this year? That was pretty much all. Is my family going to be safe? That's all I cared about. Mom and dad have a job. Those kinds of things. But when I think back to what was around me in society in 1973, I really think the the issues we have now in our world that, that are in deep need of correction were fueled by the legitimization of demeaning human life by allowing abortion. If you think about the 1970s, followed what? The 1960s. What was the 1960s? It was the free love era. If it feels good, do it. All those kinds of things. The devil made me do it, right? Absolving ourselves of our own personal blame for things that happen. No, 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 the devil made me do it. I didn't do it. The devil made me do it. If it feels good, do it. Yeah, whatever makes you happy, right? If it feels good, do it. That was the 1960s. And then the 1970s, when the Supreme Court of the land affirms that, yeah, you can get rid of that life. Yeah, it's okay. When the institution at the top of the ladder on terms of deciding what's right and wrong, Supreme Court's the ultimate arbiter of what's right and wrong, what's legal and what's illegal, what's blessed by the Constitution and what isn't. When the Supreme Court of the nation affirms that, well, why would we not expect society to take a cue from that and for the degradation and diminishing of human life not to escalate from that? And it has. It has. More drug deaths, violence against women, immorality, all kinds of dysfunction that are damaging to people have taken off since then. So so my hope is that if we get 
a favorable ruling from the Supreme Court upholding the Mississippi law that outlaws abortion after 15 weeks. It won't end abortion. I wish it would, but it won't. It'll just turn abortion back to the states, and each state will decide. And I think that'll be vastly superior to having a national position on abortion, artificially created by a wrong-headed Supreme Court. Why? Because we already have a lot of people who pick where they live based upon the values of the state as articulated by the citizens of the state and the governors of the state, mostly that concerns economic issues. No state sales tax in Florida, no state sales tax in Texas. They'll always uphold the Second Amendment. They'll fight against vaccine mandates. They're the bastions of freedom. They're going to hold out for it. Greg Abbott's going to fight for you. Ron DeSantis is going to fight for you. If every state has to define its position on life, where it stands as a state, I think that will be a better situation because you'll be able to pick where you want to live based upon the position of the state in terms of valuing or not valuing life. Clearly, this Washington Post columnist doesn't value life. You know, her her outlook is not a logical position. But she's gripped by darkness and is thus spreading lies and consigning people to a life of misery who choose the same path that she's advocating. I don't know if she's had an abortion or not. My guess would be yes, but she's consigning them to misery. There's a new study out from the Guttmacher Institute and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to determine, you know, will the protests against the upholding of the Mississippi law be nationwide or will it be concentrated in certain states? What they found is that 68% of women who have had abortions in our country, 68% of them, 7 out of 10, live in states won by Joe Biden in the 2020 election cycle. So we already pretty much concentrate in states that affirm the life choice these women have already made. 32% of them, of course, live in states won by Donald Trump. 41% of women who have had abortions have attended some college. So it's not a lack of education. It's a prioritization of self over responsibility. So the abortion debate is a debate that you have to suspend logic in order to take the position that abortion is not evil, that abortion is not taking a life. You know, as I've said before, I've blown up the argument for Roe versus Wade, upholding it on the grounds of precedent. Oh, well, we've had it in fact for a long time, Bruce. I mean, you can't. I mean, it's got, it's got almost 50 years of precedent. You can't, you can't undo something that's been the law of the land for 50 years. Well, desegregation excuse me, segregation was the law of the land for 58 years, from 1896 to Brown versus Board of Education in 1954. I know there are some crazy places now where they are separating again kids by race in order so they'll have a safe space. But that's an idea that's already been proven, fraught with 
potential for difficulty, right? Like if you okay segregation, we're going to go back eventually to Jim Crow. I don't think anybody has thought that through, but we're going to do that. And then the other case against the abortion movement is when people say, well, I don't care if that baby can feel pain because even somebody on life support can feel pain and they're brain dead. And so, you know, we end lives all the time of people who can feel pain. Doesn't mean that's a life. Yes, but who would disconnect the machines keeping a loved one alive if the doctor said there's no brain activity? They will never regain and become the person they were unless you wait nine months and then they will be perfectly fine. Would you pull the plug in that situation? Ah, sorry, doc. I can't wait nine months. I mean, I can't come to the hospital. Look at this. Nine months? No. Come on. Let me out of this. Pull the plug now. No one would do that. No one except a psychopath would do that. That baby will be fine in nine months. You can snuff its life out in the first month. It doesn't change what it will become in nine months. So the pro-life position is a truth position. It is a compassionate position. It is the right position. It is my position. And I hope that it is your position. I've heard stories like this before. So it's not the newness of it that brings causes me to bring it to you. Uh, but it is reflective of a curious phenomenon that I noticed during the Jussie Smollett trial. Uh, first, the story out of Seattle. Employees at a Seattle-based Planned Parenthood affiliate were recently outraged when an upper-level executive repeated the N-word while quoting a donor who had used it. The epithet sparked outrage, which ultimately led to the removal of the Planned Parenthood executive because they felt her quoting someone else saying the N-word brought into question whether or not she truly supported minorities. Okay, so the N-word, a very controversial word, a word that has uh, unique powers. Okay. It's a word that should never be used because it is a, I can't even think of the right way to state how unflattering it is of the person saying it. See, my view of racial slurs is that while they are uh, damaging to those who hear them, they are more defining of the person who uses them. It indicates how small-minded and how um, just utterly uh, utterly bad the person is who says them. The people who they are directed toward give power to the people saying them by the way that we viscerally react to them. Why would you give power? to someone who has already exposed himself as an unthinking person by saying such a word. 
In the case of Jesse Smollett, though, he objected to the prosecutor in the case saying the N-word out loud in court when the prosecutor was reading text messages Jussie Smollett had sent to the Asandario brothers, who, like he, are black, in which Jussie Smollett repeatedly texted the N-word. So the prosecutor, who is white, is reading Jussie Smollett's texts out loud in court because part of the evidentiary process. And Jussie Smollett interrupts and says, out of respect for me and the other black people in the courtroom, could you please spell the word rather than say the word? So the prosecutor said, well, they're your texts. And the judge said, they're your texts. And so Jussie said he would read the texts. And what I find interesting about that is, is there another word in the English language that is okay to be said if a person of one skin color says it, but it is a career-ending violation if a person of a different race says it. It is the same word. What is it about the mouth from which it comes that makes it either lethal or an afterthought? I don't have the answer. But I found that to be a very interesting situation where Jesse Smollett was deeply offended by the word or at least respectful of other people around him that he did not want them to hear the word even though he was the one who used the word to another black person. Uh, Really crazy. Now, you may have heard the story of the Pennsylvania swimmer who goes by the name Leah Thomas. Uh, Leah Thomas is a really good swimmer. Now, Leah Thomas was not such a good swimmer the previous three years uh, when Leah Thomas was not Leah Thomas, but was, what is this person's name? I don't know. It was a, it was a, she, Leah Thomas is and was the previous three years a male swimmer at Pennsylvania. Good enough to be on a college swim team, which is no small accomplishment. But Leah Thomas now is swimming for the Penn women's team after undergoing a year of uh, testosterone reduction therapy. Uh, She recently, uh, excuse me, Leah Thomas recently competed in a meet in Akron, Ohio, where Leah Thomas won the race in which Leah Thomas was racing by 38 seconds. Ever seen a swim race on TV? There's an appreciable difference in where the swimmers are in the pool by less than a half a second. Can you imagine? Leah Thomas might have, Leah, Leah Thomas was halfway to Canton before the other swimmers in that meet finished at Akron. Well, outkick the coverage last week, quoted a couple swimmers on the team, 
anonymously, of course, saying that this is a farce, that this biological male is allowed to compete as a female. And now, now the parents of the other swimmers on the Penn women's swim team are also speaking out. The NCAA, though, says uh, they will do nothing about this because it is their policy that if Leah Thomas has undergone one year of testosterone reduction therapy, Leah Thomas is a woman. Now, I have a question. I hear all the time, transgender women are women, right? That's what they say. Trans women are women. Okay, if trans women, biological men, who say they're a woman are women, if trans women are women, why does Leah Thomas have to undergo any testosterone reduction therapy? If trans women are women, it doesn't say trans women are women after they suppress their testosterone. It says trans women are women. It is unfair to Leah Thomas to make her undergo such therapy. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.